Phaedrus, a Roman fabulist, once said of the first century, things are not always what they seem. The first appearance deceives many. Things are not always what they seem. The first appearance deceives many. I feel there is a wisdom in this. Uh, um, some time ago, I was visiting Morocco, and uh, I had uh, the address of a friend. He said, come and visit me. So I gave the address to a taxi driver, and uh, I sat down enjoying the views until we arrived. I looked around, and I was hesitant. The road was narrow, and the building, which has the number, was looking very shabby. Uh, I uh, thought I made a mistake, but uh, since I did not have a phone number, I thought I will knock on the door and see what's happening. I opened, and it was the right address. I thought, well, how would an American missionary live in such a, uh, a shabby uh, uh, building like this? But when I went inside, I was transformed. It has uh, an outer hole, and uh, it was uh, uh, very big and tiled and cl cleaned. And in the middle, there was a fountain of marble, and the tiles were mosaic, and it's so pristine. And he took me for a tour inside the house to find that they are not just only have big rooms, but actually they have a steam room inside. And he said, if you wanted to enjoy that, you can. I had to confess that uh, uh, the first look was deceitful. And today I would like to take you uh, for a tour in the Old Testament to look at this story, to see some light for the present and for the future too. And I ask you if uh, you would please open uh, the uh, Bible to the Second Kings chapter 5 the story of healing Naaman from his leprosy. The book of Kings is a, a wonderful historical book. There, as we read, we see God's great deeds in the life of his people. Uh, and that is through his prophet, Elisha. In chapter 2, we see a clear call uh, of God to Elisha to succeed his uh, prophet Elijah, and the prayer that he would receive double of Elijah's uh, strength. And uh, we see also Elijah being taken in a chariot of fire to heaven. Chapter 3 and 4, we see uh, the miracles that Elisha has performed uh, inside Israel. But in chapter 5, the divine camera is taking us outside of Israel into a neighboring country, into Aram, which is modern-day Syria. And from there, I would like to share with you three scenes uh, as the divine camera is helping us uh, to understand. The first scene, inside the house of Naaman, and I entitled that scene, Availability of God's Servant. As you look at the chapter, you'll find that it focuses on the main character, Naaman. What do we know about him? He was uh, a great leader, a five-star general, a man uh, with many talents. 
He is a strong man. He is a, a, a valiant warrior. He's a family man. Uh, and not only that, we hear also that the king of Aram trusts him. And to add to that, that God has given victory to Aram through Naaman. Everything that a wife could dream of a husband, he is an ideal husband. He has everything, but he had leprosy. You see, many times we look at the outward uh, appearance. But what about the inside? Naaman, like many of us today, exhibit the uh, um, appearance of success, of happiness. It seems like he's got everything sorted. He has everything before him. But what about the inside? Leprosy. Things are not what they seem. But what is leprosy? Well, leprosy was a dangerous, contagious disease. It uh, manifests itself in uh, a red spot uh, on the skin, but actually it attacks the, end, uh, the nerve ending. The patient normally does not feel the pain, so as a result of that, they keep injuring themselves without, without realizing. Leprosy isolates people. Leprosy uh, uh, disfigure the body. Leprosy cause people to be numb. And that is why uh, leprosy in the Old Testament uh, symbolize sin. There is a, a numbness, a feeling of nothingness when it comes to understanding what is right and what's wrong. And we think that, can the person see that this is really wrong? What they are doing, what they are saying? No, because they are numb to it. Perhaps uh, some of us today are like Naaman. They are trying to hide these symptoms, these red spots, this numbness. But sure enough, after a while, the people of the house will realize what problem you have. And soon enough, after that, everyone around you will see. And then the whole world will, will notice are we looking for healing? Are you looking for help like Naaman? Naaman could not help himself. Naaman was in need of someone to help him, to heal him. Do we find solutions when we realize the problems we have or we try to cover it up? Do we go to the great physician when we realize a spiritual disease? Well, it seems like in Naaman's case, the illness and the disease was its infancy. It did not stop him from doing his own daily activities. We are told that a battalion uh, uh, from the army went and fought its neighboring, uh, southern neighboring country, uh, Israel, and captured some Jews. And among them was a little girl. The Bible doesn't tell us her name. The Bible doesn't tell us her heritage. The Bible doesn't tell us much about her, but she was truly a heroine. She was truly a heroine in her faith and understanding. They brought her to be a slave girl in the house of Naaman. And she's the one who lived in her house as a princess with her mom and dad, perhaps. 
She, was, she could have been very rebellious. She could have been very angry. She could have uh, been seeking revenge. She could have been saying to herself, well, I'm glad that this harsh master has uh, uh, been uh, diseased with this leprosy. I wish he would die. She could have said that. She could have said this is the justice of heaven for coming to attack the people of God in such way. But she did not. She did not curse. She blessed. Somehow, she knew behind these events, there is a sovereign God. There is a good God. And she did not doubt his goodness. Do you know, the Lord Jesus in the uh, um, uh, Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, uh, tells us that um, uh, in the time of Elisha, no one was healed of leprosy apart from Naaman. So how did this little girl knew that uh, if Naaman went to Elisha, he would be healed? Well, she didn't, but she had a trust and confidence in the God of Elisha. Do we see God's sovereign grace in our situations, and especially the hard ones? This little this little girl is like many of us, many of the students who are away from home, away from family, away from comfort zone. Uh, she was uh, thrown away in the deep end, so to speak. Uh, uh, there is no security. She's captive. She's a slave girl. It's a different language, different habits, uh, not to mention also that it is a pagan home, but she was available she was available for God to use her. And because of her, the whole household heard about the God of Israel. The whole household was blessed by this little girl. She was a source of salvation for them. Perhaps the Lord has put you in a place that you perceive to be a difficult place for you. But remember, behind the events, there is a good God Maybe God is putting you there for a reason, so that you can talk about the God you love. Listen to the Apostle Peter in First Peter 3. He said this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Use the circumstances around you to be a testimony to the goodness of God and let God deals with the rest. Mariam uh, is an Egyptian lady. I met her in France, and uh, I was asking her, how did she come to faith? And she said that she was working in Cairo, and uh, she had uh, a colleague who was a Christian. And at the beginning, she wasn't keen to work with a Christian man, uh, because she felt that uh, uh, she needed to be uh, pure and not to, to be in touch with people that they don't have the same belief. Yet, she observed him closely. She thought that uh, he always on time comes to his work. He's very faithful. He takes his work really seriously. And in his uh, uh, spare moment, she sees him reading a book. So one time, with contempt, went to him and she said, What do you read? And he said, I read the gospel. And not only that, and he said to her, have you read it? And she said, no. 
but she kept observing. And she realized that this man, uh, he behaves in the way he believes. So she went to him one time and she said, uh, okay, do you have a spare copy of this uh, gospel you are talking about? And he said, yes, I'll get you one. And then she started reading. The more she read, the more she bombarded him with questions. And he was gracious to answer all her questions. Well, Maryam is a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He, she and her husband and her three children following the Lord Jesus. Are you available to speak about God's love with people? Notice also the method that this little girl has used. I, I think we can have an evangelistic campaign based on what uh, uh, the Bible tells us about this little girl. She was a great evangelist. She didn't go directly to the man because she knows the culture. She understood the culture in which she lives in. She went to the mistress, the lady that she can talk to. And sure enough, the message went to, uh, to Naaman. She did not try to face Naaman with his, his problem and say to him, wagging the finger, I know your problem, you have leprosy, and the answer for that is you have to go to the prophet in Israel. No. You see, we have a wonderful message. We have a message of God's love, God's healing, God's accompanying, accompanying us on a daily basis. But sometimes we use it in the wrong way. Sometimes we pressure people and sometimes we use uh, uh, ways to force the message on people and that turn them off. I remember a few years back, I attended a Bible study and uh, among the people who are attending were some uh, non-Christian and non-believers. And I noticed that one particular person kept poking uh, the non-believers and to say to him, can't you see this? Can't you believe in that? This was the end. He didn't come again. Notice also about this little girl that she was faithful in her work. She spoke with sincerity. Look at verse 3, the way she addressed her mistress. If only, if only my master would go to meet the prophet who's in Samaria. If only, if only. You could see there is sincerity, there is a concern, there is love. This girl was a great theologian. She understood. She understood that if you bring the people to God, he will deal with the rest. It's not our responsibility to convert. Nobody can convert anyone here in this room. We only can be like John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb, showing people to Jesus, the availability of God's servant. Now let's move the camera, the, the divine camera, to the second scene, the volatility of the king's heart. The volatility of the king's heart. Now sure enough, Naaman heard the message about the little girl, and because she was sincere in her uh, 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 service in the home, they believed that she's telling the truth, and he went to his king, and the king's, by all means, you go. Not only that, I will write an official letter, 
and I will stamp it with the king's signature. And, 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 and off you go. So Naaman went to the palace of King Joram. He was loaded with gifts. In modern day, what he had, he had 340 kilograms of silver, 69 kilograms of gold, and 10 boxes full of precious clothing, and a message from King Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria. And as soon as the king of Israel heard the message and read it, he was so angry, so furious. Am I God to give life and to take it away? Am I God who can heal this uh, infectious disease? Am I the one who will be able to do that? Look, this man is picking a fight with me. King Joram was a impetuous person. He was a negative person. He's a half empty uh, glass person. He is always jumping to conclusions without even having the time to reflect and to think. Things are not always what they seem. In chapter 3, we read this story about King Joram. Three kings went to fight. And uh, for seven days, all the armies uh, were searching for water in the desert. And they found nothing. And uh, the king of Judah said to the king of Israel, Is there a prophet of God here that we can acquire of him? And King Joram said, Well, don't worry. Don't bother by it. It is God who's going to curse us. It is God who's going to destroy us. He's not giving us water because of that. He's always blaming God. He's giving God uh, bad motives. He's not a true believer. If he was a believer, he would have asked God. And the prophet Elisha came to the rescue. And he said to the king, look, without rain, without wind, without anything, you will see that tomorrow you will have water for you and all the army with you. And so it was. Did King Joram learn anything from this lesson? No, because he was not a true believer. So when Naaman came, did he think and said, well, I was faced with a problem before. Perhaps if I ask the prophet Elisha to come, perhaps he could help. No. Look at the difference between and the contrast between the faith of the little girl and the absence of faith of the king of Israel in the love, in the ability, in the protection and the sovereignty of God and his prophet Elisha. The little girl in captivity said, if only my master would go and meet the prophet, he will heal him. And the king in the palace said, there is no solution. God is not able to help. I received a message from uh, a young man in, in Egypt who said that he was searching for the Christian faith until he uh, uh, was able to get a Bible. And he read the Bible, and he was convinced that Jesus is the Son of God. And he wanted to become a Christian. So he went to his Christian friends and said to them, Could you help me? I wanted to be a Christian. And they said to him, uh, It's difficult. No, 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 we cannot help you. Sorry, you, uh, you are on your own, and so on. So he tried again, and he found a priest, and went to the priest, and he said to him, Could you help me? I wanted to become a Christian. And the priest said to him, but don't you know that this is against the law? I am very sorry, I cannot help you. So he wrote and said, who will help me? 
Who will tell me about Jesus and how do I become a Christian? Anyway, Elisha came to the rescue for the second time to save the king and Israel from a political calamity. He sent a message to the king to tell him, let him come so that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. This is a presence of God with his people. So here we go, the volatility of the king's heart. Naaman received that uh, instructions and off you go with his entourage, with his horses and chariot, went to meet with the uh, prophet Elisha. As a great military man, he was expecting a VIP reception. He was expecting perhaps the red uh, uh, carpet to be rolled before him. But to his shock, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Just a messenger came to him and saying, this is what the prophet's saying, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. You can imagine what what Naaman felt at the time. The blood perhaps started to boil in his vein and uh, coming very angry after that. And he said that I would expect him, I'm, I'm expecting him to come to meet me. That is the least of he can do. Doesn't he know who I am? Why can't he come and call upon the name of his God and wave his hand over the spots and heal me? Expectations, expectations. How many times we come to God even in prayer, seeking for his answers, but we tell him what to do. We tell him that I need you to do this for me. See, the English proverb says that beggars cannot be choosers. If you are coming to God and asking him for his help, asking him for his providence, asking him to intervene, you cannot tell him the way he do his work. A few years ago, we were praying for uh, a premises for an Arabic work, and I had uh, uh, a man coming to me, and he said, I've been listening to you praying for this premises. How about if you pray that I will win the lottery so I can build you a church? And I said to him, does God really need the lottery money to build a church for himself? Why do we need to intervene and do things uh, for God him? self that he can do. You see, sometimes we pray and we push the door for things. We want you, Lord, to bless this relationship. This girl that I, I, I fell in love with, I believe that she's, she's the one you chose it for me. Why don't you bless this relationship? What about this work? I need to have this job. Why don't you let God choose it for you? God knows better. God knows best. And we should really trust him if we are coming to him that he will do for us more than we think or we imagine. You see, the request was very simple. But Naaman went angry. Why Jordan? Why this, uh, this little river? Why don't we have better rivers in, in Syria? We have the Abana and the uh, Farpar, and uh, these are great rivers. These are called the Golden Rivers. Why this little river called the Jordan? Why it is? When I came to Wales first time, I, uh, I enjoyed the international student work. And one time I was told we are going to, for a, a walk around the River Taff. 
So off we go, we walked, and I walked, and I walked, and then I said, where is the river Taff? And they said, oh, we just crossed it. And I looked back, and it was just a stream of water, because I thought of the River Nile. Wow, you have three kilometers width, you need to cross that, that's a great Nile. But here is the River Taff. So what is that, you call this river? That's not a river. Well, sorry for our Welsh friends here, but here we go. Expectation. This, this man was thinking that the river would give him the great healing, but it is not the case of spiritual matters. Listen to what God says. He said, it's not by might. It's not by, my, by power. It is by my spirit, says the Lord. There is no place for pride here. Some wise man before said that proud men are their own worst enemy. Proud men are their own worst enemy. I was reading uh, Oswald Chambers, who's a Scotsman in Egypt during the First World War, and he wrote lots of good meditations that you can uh, see the depth of his Christian faith. And uh, one of his books in Arabic, uh, in it, he said this. He said, the natural man is created to rule over the rest of the creatures. Therefore, he insists to have an explanation for everything. Because everything we can explain, we have the mastery over it. But in the spiritual matters, there are things you cannot explain. You just obey. And that is very true. God alone who can save and can heal. The king of Israel could not have saved Naaman. The prophet Elisha could not heal Naaman. The lots of money could not help Naaman. The great effort and the zeal that Naaman had could not change his, his, his situation. But the matter simply was like this. Go and wash and you will be healed. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Repent from your sin and you will be forgiven. Call upon me and I will answer you. A simplicity of the message. Now we come to the third uh, uh, scene and that is in front of the prophet Elisha. Simplicity of the message as I mentioned. The, the servants pleaded with their master, uh, great Lord, Father, they called him. They reasoned with him. If the prophet had asked you something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? What are you going to lose anyway? He's asking you to go and dip yourself. Just try him and see. So he agreed. And his servant is with him. And I could imagine them, picture the, the situation, you know. Here is Naaman going in this uh, muddy water in the River Jordan. And everybody's sitting there and counting with him. One, two, three, four, five. Is it going to happen? Well, we're still in five. Let's go. Six. It's the last one. Is it going to happen? What's going to happen to our master? And here we go. He went the seventh time and came back and he was healed. You can imagine the cheer. You can imagine the clapping. Well, 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 look at this. You have become a new creation, Naaman. Yes, it is true. His flesh was like of that of a young boy. Naaman did not change only from the outside. He changed from the inside too. 
Let's come and have a look and see what he said. He came to Elisha again, and in verse 15 he said, I confess that there is no other God apart from the God in Israel, that he is not going to offer any sacrifice, any burnt offering, any sacrifice to any other God in verse 17. Three times you hear him in verse 15, 17, and 18 saying that your servant it's a sign of submission. It's a sign of respect to God and his, uh, and his prophet. But it's like new believers. They wanted to do something. He thought that he could give a gift. He could buy uh, uh, his healing and his salvation. And the matter is, no. Elisha said, there is no way that you can pay for that. You see, healing, forgiveness... Salvation is a free grace from God Almighty. You cannot pay for it. You cannot share in it. All you have to do is to receive it. Things are not what they seem. Is there anything free? Free indeed. This is what the Apostle Paul in the New Testament uh, explains more about the idea of the washing of the dipping. In Titus 3, he says this, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. The story of Naaman the Syrian is the story of each one of us. You know, the name Naaman means the pleasant one or the beautiful one. You may ask and say, but how is that? How is that ill person who's diseased with leprosy and he's going to lose all his uh, 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 hands and feet in such a horrible way to be called beautiful or pleasant? You see, the situation was not like this from the beginning. When God created man, he created him in a beautiful picture. When you read the accounts in Genesis, we hear God saying that when he created mankind, he said it was very good. Yet when Adam fell in sin of rebellion, when he broke God's command, his his image was disfigured. He became leper because he lost touch with the God of heaven and earth. There is no remedy for the sickness of sin apart from what God has ordained. Wash and you will be healed. Believe and you will be saved. And God presented the solution to the whole world because of his great love. God sent his son. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Why did he send him? He sent him to carry the penalty and the punishment for the sins that we have committed. The wages of sin is death. This is what the Bible say. And therefore, we all under condemnation. We all under God's wrath, and we all will receive the punishment for that. But Jesus came, 
And praise be to God. And he showed us. He showed us the love of God, that he was willing to die on our behalf, to carry the sins that we have committed, to heal the spots of sin, to heal the sins of uh, addiction, the sexual sins, the moral sins, uh, the disobedience to God, to God commandment. Everything that opposite God, Jesus took it upon himself. Everything. If you think of uh, the true purity Jesus represents, Jesus took everything dark and wicked and hard upon himself on the cross and crucified it there. Not just only that, but he gave to us. He gave to us the robe of righteousness. He gave to us the goodness and the purity of himself. He was crediting to us his righteousness. The river Jordan was to Naaman is like, the, is like the Lord Jesus Christ is to us. The river Jordan took Naaman's leprosy from him. He took the, the, the disfiguration of his body from him. He took, uh, the, the river Jordan took the spots from him and gave him a new body, a new beginning, as if he was not sick at all. The Bible tells us this about those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, and behold, the new has come. The life of Naaman has changed completely. He was not just only being healed physically, but also morally and spiritually. He became a follower of the living God. He became a worshiper of him, and he will never offer any, any sacrifice to any other God. Now, as a matter of application, which of these characters do you present? Do you represent a very vibrant faith uh, that this little girl had? Understanding of who God is, understanding of his sovereign grace, understanding that he's leading you even in the time of difficulty. Or perhaps you are resembling the great king with his counterfeit faith. You are present in a church, you are act taking part in church activities, but the image of God is distorted in your mind. And you need to re-collaborate this to become a true believer. Or perhaps you are like Naaman. You are searching for a cure. You are searching for an answer. And the answer is here before you. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Your guilt will be dealt with and you will be given a new lease of life to follow him. You will be serving the true king. I pray that God will use these words to encourage us and to give us a zeal to talk about the love of God with others. May the Lord bless us all.